welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God. Ooh, there's fire in the house this morning. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, uh, we are going to finish our series on the armor of God this morning. I've purposed that in my heart, and um, so that's going to happen. Next week is Mother's Day, so come out. It's going to be good. We're, going, we're having three ladies share on Mother's Day. It's going to be a good time, and um, there's going to be nice celebration at the end of that as well. So praise God. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word is sharp. Hallelujah. We thank you that your word illuminates our path, and we ask for revelation knowledge to flow this morning. I thank you, Lord God. I thank you for that teaching anointing upon me. And I thank you for impartation. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's turn up this morning to Ephesians chapter 6. That's our main passage where we've been in. And um, I can't really recap because if I go to recap, we'll never get going further. So uh, Ephesians chapter 6, we've already dealt with... um, from verse 10 onwards and um, we've gone into detail about the first piece of our weapon being that belt of truth and then we went on to the breastplate of righteousness talked about that and then we talked about having our feet shod with the preparation for the gospel of peace we went into into depth in that and then above all taking the shield of faith that's verse 16 with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And we ended up there last week. We were talking about the fiery darts, and we were talking about, you know, those thoughts that would come because the enemy tries to deceive us. The victory's already been won in Christ Jesus, but the enemy wants to throw those thoughts into our minds. And we explored some of those, what those thoughts could be and how to handle those thoughts last week. So today we're going to carry on now to verse 17. And it says, take the helmet of salvation. So take up the helmet of salvation. Now, the helmet, we know it's worn around the head. And um, the Roman soldiers, their helmet was made of bronze. It had pieces attached to it that were specifically designed to protect the jaws. So the pieces that would come down here and protect the cheeks and the jaws. It was extremely heavy. So inside, they had to have like foam so that it would rest on the head. It was so, so heavy. And um, so that the soldier's head wouldn't get sore from that. The helmet was so, so strong that nothing could pierce it. Now you say, well, why was it fitted very tightly around the head? It's because... um, Whenever the Roman soldiers, when they were in combat and they were fighting, um, you know, the soldiers, they would have carried like a short-handled axe. They called it a battle axe. And um, if you were in close combat and that battle axe went, they'd go for the head. And if you didn't have your helmet on tight and that helmet fell off, well, you'd lose your head. You'd quite very quickly lose your head. So it was tightly bound around the head. And that's That's like, you know, our mind has to be protected with the Word of God. All of this armor is to do with the Word of God, getting the Word of God inside of us. Amen? 
And uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death. So what, what is to be carnally minded? It, it's, it's being led by the senses, the five senses. It's uh, being led by the way this world thinks, um, thinking like the world. It's being led contrary to the, how the Lord leads, contrary to this word. Um, so the carnal mind is controlled by the carnal senses. What we see, what we feel, what we touch, what we hear, what we taste. Um, and that has absolutely no chance against the wiles of the enemy that the word talks about. No chance. But a spiritual mind is controlled by this word. It's controlled totally by the word of God. And a spiritual mind is not governed by, by the senses, the five senses. And that's why we have to be so careful that we're being led by the spirit. We're not being led by emotions. We're not being led by smell. We're not being led by anything else. We're not being led by the circumstances. Oh, because this happens, this must mean that. No, we're being led by the spirit. And yes, circumstances can um, come into play and you, you, you would also say God's leading me this way and the circumstances are going that way but as long as the spirit of the Lord is leading not circumstances so um, the spiritual mind is fixed, fixed on what the word of God says and so we've got to be careful we've got to have that helmet of salvation on we have to be watched for wrong thinking how it comes in whether it's coming in from somebody we're sitting beside in school or in college, or at the workplace, um, or somebody's, a neighbor's talking to us. We've got to be careful of that wrong thinking. We've got to think, does that thought line up with the word, or does it oppose the word? We've got to ascertain that. And a spiritual mind is renewed by the word, and we know that in um, Romans chapter 12, it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed by the word of God in the spirit of your mind. But we're talking about the helmet of salvation there. And um, the, the word salvation, it comes from the Greek word. Anybody know? Zozo? S-O-Z-O, the Greek word zozo. And, and that means one who's been delivered or saved. In a broad sense of the word, it means to be brought into a safe place, delivered from danger, healed, restored, rescued, and that's what happened when we accepted Jesus. He saved us. He went to the cross. He paid the price. But when we received him, we received that into our life. And that is the helmet of salvation. Zozo, helmet of salvation. It's so much more than, oh, I got my ticket to heaven. I'm in the bus to heaven. I'm secure. It's so much more than that. Hallelujah. We're not just saved from eternity of hell. You know, salvation, we're able, we've been given power to resist sin. God has empowered us to resist sin. Oh, you mean, Pastor Karen, I don't have to give in to that temptation every time it comes? Yes, we can resist sin. Hallelujah. Because of the power of the Lord within us. Um, salvation, we, you know, we, we're set free from demonic attacks and oppression. We received healing. That, that means salvation. It means healing, total healing, wellness, wholeness in our bodies. Amen. And goes on and on. So we have to keep 
our helmet of salvation in place, our minds fixed on Jesus, everything that salvation has purchased for us. We've got to be thinking of that, thinking of in the atonement, what did that purchase for us? We've looked at that just as we did communion again. So um, tightly around our head. And if we don't have that helmet on tightly around our head, then the enemy will come and steal. He'll come and try and steal the healing. He'll try and cause problems in your life. You know, to think that you're trapped, to think that you're not free when you've already been set free, you've already been delivered. He'll, he'll try and come against the fact that, you know, as Robin says, we're prosperous. God has abundance, multiplication in mind if we will only let go. He has that for us. He, the blessing we, we, is part of the covenant, covenant of blessing, covenant of protection, covenant of healing. It's part of the covenant. We've got to know that. Soundness of mind. We've been given the sound mind in Christ. The sound mind. We don't have to be depressed. It's a sound mind. Now, there is depression. There's, you know, there's clinical depression. So um, if somebody's suffering from that, well, then we pray that they are healed. Amen? But a a Christian or one who has taken the Lord into their life when the enemy would come and the enemy would try and get them down and try and get them into a depression. That's what we talked about last week. You've got to stand and resist that so you don't go there. God has made provision every which way. We're never at a loss. We're never, oh, what are we going to do about that? Oh, dear. He's forgotten that. No, there's an answer for everything and we have it. We have it. Hallelujah. So we need to study this word, what God has purchased for us in Calvary. We've got to know it. We've got to know it. Hallelujah. So then in verse 17, it says, Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Well, you say, which is the word of God? But I thought you talked about the belt of truth was the word of God. And the belt of truth is, the belt of truth is the Bible. It's the written word of God. But when you look at this word, and it says the sword of the spirit, which is the word, that word there in the Greek means rhema. And rhema means, uh, it's a very, it's a, it's a word that's been quickened to you. It's a word that's very specific. In other words, you know, how many times you'd be reading the Bible and you, you, you read through a chapter and something just uh, like leaps off the page to you and it becomes alive. Who's experienced that? Yeah, we should all be experienced that rhema word. That's the rhema word of God here, the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God. Hallelujah. And um, also the Greek word for sword, it says, um, well, I'm getting ahead of myself there. So um, let's just think of, of the rhema. So it's the rhema word of God. Hebrews 4 and verse 12 in the Amplified Classic Edition says, for the word that God speaks is alive. So Hebrews 4 and 12, Amplified Classic. For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. Isn't that awesome? The word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. And it is sharper than any two edged sword sharper than any two-edged sword hallelujah so um this word 
the Greek word for sword here is to take up the sword of the spirit. It talks about a sword that had two edges, sharp two edges. And um, it could inflict a wound that was a lot deeper and a lot sharper than other swords. It's a two-edged sword. And so that word there talks about this word of God being a two-edged sword. And you say, well, what is a two-edged sword? How is that for us? It's because that verse we've just read in Hebrews 4 and 12, God's word is active, it's alive, it's full of power, it's operative, it's energized, it's effective. And then when he gives you the rhema or he gives you that word to speak into that situation or to speak against the attack of the enemy or to go on the offensive, when then you put that word in your mouth, it becomes two-edged and very sharp. So where the belt of truth is the written word of God that you read, then the sword of the spirit is that rhema word that you take from this, but it comes out of your mouth. It's offensive. It's the word that you use. You speak over situations. You speak over circumstances, and it's offensive. It's not the defensive. It's an offensive two-edged weapon and sword, and it's powerful. And, you know, Jesus used that. We know if we, if we turn to Luke, Luke chapter 4 and we see how Jesus used the sword of the Spirit. Luke chapter 4. And starting in verse 3. And the enemy said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But what did Jesus do? He took the rhema word, he took the rhema out of the locus word of God, the written word, and he said, it is written, my man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So he used the sword against the enemy there. Verse 5, then the devil took him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms in the world. In a moment of time, the devil said, all this authority I'll give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to him, whoever I wish. Therefore, if you'll worship me, if you'll worship before me, all this will be yours. Jesus took the rhema again out of the written word, and he says, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. You shall, not, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And then he brought him to Jerusalem and he set him in the pinnacle of the temple and he said to him, if you are the son of God, again, he's coming after, who are you? If you're really the son of God, then throw yourself down from here. For, and then he uses scripture. The devil knows scripture too. You've got to know your word. He said, for it is written, he will give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands you shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. So there's another rhema. He used it against him. Now the devil, when he'd, end, he'd ended his temptations, he departed from him. Who had the success here? Who? Jesus. The devil departed. He lost. But it, look here. He departed until an opportune time. Was he going to try again? Yeah, he will keep trying, but we've got the victory. We've been given the written word and then the rhema word for that circumstance 
or that situation that comes our way. So Jesus is our role model here. Satan was totally nullified by the rhema words that Jesus, when he took out that sword and he drew it against him, whoop, whoop, and again, whoop, whoop. And the last time, You know, we can say that. We can say when the enemy says you're sick or that's going on your body. We can do it. We can take the ream a word out. We can say, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. That's taking the sword of the spirit out and going, whoosh. And we go, wield that sword, amen? No, I'm not... Not, not being led then by my carnal senses. Oh, well, I feel so terrible. <laughs> You're right. You're so right, devil. I just feel absolutely miserable. And the pain. No, you don't come into agreement with that. You take the sword out. You, it's not you're ignoring what's going on, but you take that sword of the spirit out and say, well, that may be, but by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Whoosh. Amen? So this, you're taking a sword of that spirit, the sword of the spirit. You're taking the ream of that specific word that God has given you or you've gone to search out. You've got a situation going on. This has happened to me. I've got a situation going on. So I go to the word and I say, what does the word say about that situation? And sometimes I've written it on a card. And sometimes it's been an A4 page. <laughs> and I've got my scriptures. And then when the enemy comes, I'll pray that, I'll, I'll wield it, I'll, I'll have something to come against him and force that with. And I use that offensively against him. Amen? So we must use God's word as a sword coming to attack. Hallelujah. Speaking the word of God, being careful that we don't speak from a reason and we don't speak from carnal knowledge but when we speak this word of God this word that is living John chapter 6 and verse 63 it says the words I speak are spirit and life the words I speak are spirit and life and when we're speaking those words we're speaking words that are spirit and they are life hallelujah remember God created everything he created all of this world with words words are important Using these words are important. God's words. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So then you come to verse 18. Praying always with all kinds of prayer. Or with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Um, prayer is a communion and communication with the Lord, but it's also a weapon. And we'll bring that out. So when you look at this, when you look at the different translations here, for all prayer, the translations bring that out to say all kinds of prayer. Every manner of prayer. You know, there's different types of prayer. Who knows there's different types of prayer? Yeah? Can you name any? Any types of prayer? There's, there's a prayer of agreement. Yeah, there's praying in the spirit. There's, there's a prayer of supplication. Prayer of intercession. There's prayer of thanksgiving. There's corporate prayer. 
Amen. There's a prayer of faith. There's different types of prayer. And, uh, you know, when the Apostle Paul's teaching, he's not saying one prayer is more important than the other. But you've got to know what to use, how to talk to the Lord at different times. For instance, when Brian and I are praying about the children and um, maybe something to do with the child's life, we'll come into agreement. We'll use the prayer of agreement. And there's something so, so powerful about the prayer of agreement, especially between a husband and wife. And that's why if you're married here today, the enemy will do all that he can to cause problems and to separate the two of you. That's his one agenda. Split them up <laughs> because he's after the prayer of agreement. So if you're not praying with your wife or your husband, you need to start praying with your wife or your husband. You need to do that. You need to take hands or come into agreement, pray for your children, pray for... Um, ask the Lord, you know, what, what house are we going to buy? What are we going to do? You know, uh, where will we go on holiday? What are we going to do about this? Pray about everything and come into agreement. As a husband and wife, it's so, so powerful. And that's what God had planned. So at times like that, when we're praying over an issue for one of our children, I don't pray the prayer of consecration. The prayer of consecration is a prayer of surrender. God, I you know, when I pray that prayer, I'm surrendering to your will, Lord. Your will be done in my life. Whatever you want done in my life, you do it, Lord. You do it. That's a, well, I'm not going to pray that when I'm praying for something for my child. I'm going to pray the prayer of agreement. So it's important what we pray at those different times. So prayer is a weapon. How do you say prayer is a weapon? It's because you can pray prayers, especially when you pray in the Spirit. And instead of close combat, as it were, with the enemy, you know, uh, you can send a prayer and you can stop things before it even happens. You can stop it before it even comes close. Amen? You know, we're close combat with the enemy. We're not told to get this Bible literally and chant. Where is that demon? Oh, we're, we're, oh yeah, you're over there. Bang. And no, you're not. You're not literally going to do that with this word. You're going to take that Rima word out. You're going to take that scripture and you're going to say it's written. Well, that's for close combat. But praying in the spirit sends prayer power before it even gets close to you. Some things we know when we're praying in the spirit and other times we don't. But we can be alerted in our spirit. I've often been alerted in my spirit to things that are going to happen or, you know, that whether that's an attack or whether that's something the Lord's warning is going to happen in somebody's life that's, that I know. And that's a chance for me to pray. Start praying in the spirit. You know, for instance, last week, um, actually while I slept, two, two scriptures were going over in my mind. The first one I heard, though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. And the second scripture was, he will not allow your foot to be moved. Well, the two were kind of one and the same. If you got scriptures like that when you were sleeping, what would you think was happening? You'd think that there's a few demons were going to be deployed, wouldn't you? <laughs> though an army should encamp against you, you uh, I, my heart shall not fear. He will not allow my fit to be moved. So the next morning, I looked up those scriptures. It was Psalm 27, 3. 
Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may arise against me, in this I will be confident. Amen? And the other one was Psalm 121, verse 3. He will not allow your foot to be moved, and he who keeps you will not slumber. Hallelujah. So I got to praying about that, and I came, I came against the enemy, and um, you know, I, I told Brian about the scriptures, and we came into agreement against the enemy. Any plans, any strategy, it says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But the Lord was warning me that there's something being formed against you. And we were able to hit that in prayer. Amen. And, you know, just on that, it's so, so important that you would pray for me daily. Who prays for me daily? I need all of you praying for me daily. Daily. I mean, 1 Timothy in chapter 2. Let's look at that. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I so need your prayers. Pastors need prayer. They need the prayer of the flock. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, verse 2 talks about who's the all men. For kings and all who are in authority. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's so much there. First of all, before you pray for yourself. Before you pray for your loved ones, first of all, prayers be made for all men, for kings and for all those who are in authority. Why? So that you would lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So we're told to pray for those in authority in the home, in the church, in government. Amen? The the authorities. We're told to pray for that. And it's good and acceptable in the sight of God. He's purposed it. So this is for us. that We keep everybody, we keep the government in prayer, our governmental leaders in prayer. We keep our church leaders in prayer, myself. The elders, you're keeping us in prayer. In the home, you're keeping your husband, the head of the home, in prayer. Amen? Praying. The husband and his wife covered in prayer. Hallelujah. God has ordained that first of all you pray and the Lord will alert you of different things coming up. I remember the first time I'd I'd experienced that and I really got a burden to pray. I was 21 and I was out over in Florida at the time. I'd gone to visit a friend who was attending university, um, or not, uh, Bible school. She'd gone from the church to to, uh, Bible school over there and I'd gone to visit and um, you know, I got friendly. I knew the pastor. He was a friend of dad. I knew the pastor and his family. But one time, I remember, in the room I was staying, I got a burden for the pastor, a real burden of prayer, intercession. And I'd never experienced anything like that before. I was young. Um, but anyway, I, I remember getting on the floor. It was just me in the room at the time. And I just prayed, prayed, prayed in the spirit, 
prayed in English, just prayed. I was crying, I was weeping. And this went on maybe maybe 10 minutes max. It may not have even been that. But it was a heavy, what I'd say, a heavy, heavy burden. And I prayed, and then it was like travailing in prayer. And then all of a sudden, laughter came. And I just knew in my spirit, when the laughter came, I was released. I hadn't been taught in that. I wasn't taught in prayer at that stage. But who's your teacher? Holy Ghost will teach you. So if there's things you haven't been taught in yet, your teacher, the Holy Ghost, will tell you, and he'll let you know what's going on. And I knew that was it. I wasn't going to try and figure out what all that was about. No idea. But I never forgot the experience, and I believe, and I know that God used me to pray for that pastor. So I'm asking you all to pray for me every day. Is that okay? Pray for me every day. Um, so pay attention to those dreams that you get some warning dreams, some things, you know, maybe a face will come before you during the day. Say, is there a reason for that? I, you know, when a face comes before me, I'll pray. I'll just ask the Lord. I'll just start praying for that person. And that's a good habit to do. Just pray. You'll never lose, you know. You'll never lose by just praying, just, Lord, whatever's happening with so-and-so right now, just send, send that uh, part of them, help, whatever's needed. Sometimes the Lord will show you things. But you're already, you know, that person, there could be an attack planned and everything against them, but you're already setting prayer power to them. Amen? So I tell you, we have the victory. We have all of the armor. All of it. Amen? And the battle has already been won. But as I say, Satan's strategy, he comes just to deceive. He tries to con us out of what is already rightfully ours. And we're not going to let him our way. We're going to say no. We're, we're going to say no, and this year we're going to get to know this word like never before, and we're going to get that scripture out. And when we're facing something, if it's something in our body, and we're facing that, we're going to get the scriptures and healing, and we're going to wield them like a sword. We're going to wield that sword. And we're saying it's written by the stripes of Jesus, I'm already healed. And, uh, you know, in these days, when the enemy, I tell you, he'll be coming to each one of us and going, oh, don't go and see that friend. Don't drive over there. Don't drive over the other side to Newton and take them some food or pray with them because that's going to cost you so much in petrol. Watch for that. Watch. He's already tried that on me. Watch for it. The church keeps going. You be obedient to everything God says. If it costs you double, if you're obedient to God, he will make it back to you in abundance. But don't disobey. Disobedience in the kingdom and to God does not pay. In fact, it takes away. So, you know, as things progress, God has us. The church is burning brighter and brighter and will burn brighter and brighter and it'll be a brighter place and we'll be separated more from people because they'll go, well, how are you surviving? How are you doing this? How are you putting oil in your tank? You know, the gas prices go, well, what about you? What about you? Because we do what the word says and it handles every area of our life and we put this into practice. We are safe and we can be that life boy to all those around about us as Gemma brought out in that prophetic word. Amen?
Hallelujah. Well, let's close. Let's pray and respond to this word this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. God, we thank you. We thank you, Father, as we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 6. And Lord God, Paul, and how he likened, Father God, just that spiritual armor that we have to the armor of the of the, the Roman soldiers, God, we thank you for the clear picture. We thank you, Father God, for your word. We thank you, Father, for, for the breastplate of righteousness. The righteousness, the heavy, heaviest thing that we can have is your righteousness that you've already given to us. We thank you, Father God, for peace. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for our, our feet prepared, ready to share the gospel, the gospel of the good news. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you for movement, Lord. We thank you, Father, that our feet move. We're ready to, to move, Lord. We're, we're led forth in peace. Hallelujah. Lord, as, as Gemma said, there's people in our circle. There's people waiting. Right now, they're waiting. They need help. They need a word. They need a rhema word. And I thank you that you're going to give us that word to give to them. And we're going to do it no matter what it costs us in time or money. We're going to do it. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Lord God, that the only way this church will be filled is that we go. It's only as we go, this church will be filled. Hallelujah. So we thank you and we praise you, Lord God. We thank you for the helmet of salvation, Lord. We thank you all that salvation, all that you bought for us, Lord. Zuzu, Father God, healing, Everything, deliverance in the atonement, Lord God, everything that, that belongs to us, a sound mind. Hallelujah. We thank you for it. We thank you, Lord God, you've given us, Lord, the shield of faith. We thank you for the faith that we have, the measure of faith. We thank you we can grow that faith. And we thank you, Lord, for that shield that Father God protects us from every fiery dart of the wicked one. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you praise. We thank you for the sword of the Spirit. The Rima word, your word, your active, powerful, operative word in our mouth, that we can use it offensively against the enemy. Hallelujah. And we thank you, Lord God, for the prayer, all kinds of prayer that you've given to us, the prayer that we can use, Lord God, the praying in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Praying in the Spirit, praying mysteries. Oh, hallelujah. Interrupting enemy plans interrupting enemy plans, just going in like a sniper into another land and dealing with something and coming out again. All can be done in prayer and has been. Oh, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the victory. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for the congregation today. I thank you for, for everything their week, Lord. You know, Father, things that are coming up in their week important things and decisions, Lord, in their week. I thank you, Father God. I thank you, Lord, as they're looking to you, as their eyes are fixed upon you, as they're searching out the word about that situation, Lord, this week, that they have the victory. They have the victory, Lord God, in everything, the victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you for soundness of mind for them. Soundness of mind. They stand against worry. They resist the temptation to be anxious. They will not be anxious. Hallelujah. So we give you thanks and we give you praise, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. We look to God that he will direct your steps in blessings through this week. 
For more information, visit us at bangercommunitychurch.co.uk or find us on Facebook.